Solar, the nation's longest serving renewable energy retailer. As more customers make that choice to consume renewable electricity, even less of our future electricity will have to come from fossil fuel resources that pollute the atmosphere. This is Energy Cast, and I'm Jay Downhower. Today we are talking about getting your power from renewable energy and the company that has made that promise to customers for over 20 years. Unless you are completely off the grid, there's no way for your power to literally be 100% renewable. You're subject to whatever mix of power supplying the grid, and that may vary at that very moment. Coal, nuclear, gas, wind, you name it. And that's probably a good thing because if it were a windless or cloudy day, chances are very few renewables would be producing energy at all. My guest describes the grid like a Oh, rubber ducky, you're the one. You make bath time lots of fun. (laughs) With several faucets pouring in and your energy usage like the drain, the more renewable energy in the tub, the cleaner, they say, the tub. My guess you can have the benefits of reliable energy and the clear conscience of using renewables through the magic of RECs, Renewable Energy Credits. It basically works like this. All renewable energy generates these credits in addition to the actual power produced. My guess buys wholesale power as it's needed, minute to minute, but also purchases these RECs to offset power that may have been produced during those minutes by something like nuclear or coal. The idea is that you've created a market for renewables regardless if the consumer present actually consumed those electrons. As more customers join plans like these and more RECs are needed to be purchased, more renewable energy projects need to be created to supply the RECs. If there aren't enough RECs out there, market forces drive up the cost of the RECs. My guests also will purchase greenhouse gas offsets, which we've discussed in episode 9. What had me curious was this idea of creating markets specifically for the different faucets in this hypothetical bathtub. Wind and solar have their fans, but what about nuclear energy? It's carbon-free, even if it isn't renewable. And what about storage projects? If renewable energy charges those sites, renewable energy is being released into the grid, right? And many of you know I'm a huge fan of carbon capture on coal and natural gas. It's not renewable either, but the carbon capture is offsetting millions of tons of reliable baseload power. Shouldn't that get some recognition? My guess says that each of these technologies could get credit depending on the jurisdiction and the program available. It's true, we don't have a choice what comes through our fixtures, but schemes like renewable energy credits, zero emissions credits, and more are creating a market-driven change towards energy the consumer wants. My guest today is Daniel Richmond, manager of solar and strategic partnerships for Green Mountain Energy, a renewable-only retail electric provider based in Houston. The company has been around since 1997, making it the longest-serving clean energy provider in the country. Green Mountain was founded in Vermont by self-described flannel-wearing, sandal-footed, long-haired tree huggers. But in 20 years, the business is now mainstream. Retail electric providers are energy companies who you can choose to purchase your power from 
If you live in a deregulated energy market like Texas or New York, I live in a regulated market here in North Carolina, but Daniel says there may soon be products available even here. I knew about Green Mountain when I lived in Austin, where it was then headquartered, and I'll admit, back then I really wanted to work there. Shortly after I left Austin in 2010, Green Mountain was acquired by NRG Energy. Daniel came from NRG. In fact, you'll learn how he was involved in a project covered in one of my earlier episodes. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Daniel Richmond. with Daniel Richmond, manager of solar and strategic partnerships for Green Mountain Energy. And Daniel, I've known about Green Mountain for a long time. I remember running into an old classmate about 15 years ago, and she told me, I use Green Mountain, so all my energy is renewable. It's not quite that simple. She isn't literally getting energy directly from only renewable projects. So how are you designating that your customers' bills are directly funding renewable energy? Sure. We ensure that the electricity being poured into the grid on our customers' behalf comes from pollution-free and renewable sources. To make sure that happens, we purchase generic electricity to serve our customers' minute-by-minute power needs, and we also ensure that enough cleaner energy is being produced through the purchase of renewable energy certificates, called RECs, Renewable Energy Credits. So in essence, buying and retiring these RECs on our customers' behalf ensures that renewable energy is generated that matches 100% of our customers' annual usage. Daniel, I was recently introduced to a company called Arcadia Power that claims to be able to operate in regulated markets. And the idea that they explained it to me was I sign up with them. They take my bill. For instance, I am in North Carolina with Duke Energy and they fund renewable projects. So does Green Mountain have that kind of arrangement in regulated markets like mine? Just for a point of information, I checked my zip code in Charlotte here and was told Green Mountain doesn't serve me. So help us understand that. I don't want to comment on Arcadia specifically because I don't know them in particular, but typically in regulated markets like your Duke Energy territory, a company can match the usage of your electricity with what we call unbundled RECs. Essentially, you can buy RECs separate from your electricity to make sure that your electric usage is paired with an equal amount of renewable generation. We serve electricity to households in Texas, Illinois, Massachusetts, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. And it's actually good, I've got those written down so I don't forget any. (laughs) But we're moving into areas where we can sell unbundled RECs more easily. So it's a product that we have under development. We occasionally do sell them. And currently the way our website is set up, when you put in your Duke Energy zip code, it's thinking you're asking, can you get electricity from Green Mountain? Mm-hmm. So as we expand our product suite, as we expand our product offerings, you'll be able to more easily get products like Rex and Carbon Offset standalone to offset your usage, even if Green Mountain doesn't actually serve you with your electricity. Okay. I've always been curious about this, why other retail electric providers, and I'm just kind of thinking in Texas here, like an Ambent or Reliant, haven't simply offered a renewable-only option like what you offer. So really, what sets Green Mountain apart and what's kept other retail electric providers, I guess TXU Energy, for instance, in their heyday, from saying, we offer a green solution too, and they could use their mass <laughs> to be extremely competitive against you guys. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, Texas 
is a competitive market. There are multiple retail electric providers, and there's really three things that set Green Mountain apart. We offer plans sourced from a variety of renewable resources. Solar and wind are our big ones. We take extra steps to ensure that our customers are really getting the renewable energy that we promised them. In essence, that those recs are high quality, that the projects are legit, we go through a third-party audit. And the third one is that all of our plans are 100% renewable. Mm -hmm. There's no need for the customer to research, is this plan renewable, but this one is not. All of our plans are 100% renewable to make sure that no matter which plan somebody signs up for, they're getting 100% renewable energy. Since is the product integrity, um, that audit that I mentioned. We vet all of our renewable energy and offset projects that we buy our RECs from. And to help us do that, we hire an independent auditor who is certified through a company called Greeny, as well as a peer-reviewed certified public accountant to really help us go through the projects that our RECs are from and make sure that they're high quality. This audit includes tracking all of our RECs and our carbon offset purchases back through the chain of ownership to the source that they originated from, as well as making sure that no double claiming of those RECs or offsets has occurred. It's possible that two companies could claim the same REC. Essentially, it's a big bookkeeping exercise to make sure that a source generating renewable energy, nobody tries to claim twice. And the reason we go through all that work is to show our customers that the emissions-free benefits they're getting are high quality and that no one else can claim the benefits that they're getting. Now that you've explained how RECs work, basically what you're doing is the grid is supplying a reliable amount of electricity and your customers have elected to try to boost the renewable market and you're buying renewable energy offsets. They're not exactly consuming the electrons, you're just creating that market. So let me ask you this, say every possible customer used Green Mountain Energy and the demand was higher than the renewables that were available, what then? It is a supply and demand market. There's a supply of RECs from all the renewable sources that are out there, and there's a demand for RECs from people consuming renewable energy. So as the demand goes up, the price of RECs rises, which causes renewable energy to be a more competitive generation source, which results in more renewable energy sources being built, putting more renewable energy onto the grid to keep that market in equilibrium. At a real real high macro scale. There's the electricity market for the electrons themselves, and there's the rec market for the environmental benefits and the environmental attributes of those generation sources. So those two markets each stay in balance among themselves. The electricity market, making sure that the electric grid is stable, and the rec market, making sure that the environmental attributes are appropriately accounted for. We'd love to see everybody going renewable, obviously. <laughs> And we've positioned ourselves in the market and set ourselves up to be able to support as many people as possible doing that. Yeah. To get your point about, no, we're not running wires directly from a wind farm to somebody's house. Often picture the electric grid as a giant bathtub, which has multiple faucets running into it. Some of those faucets are coal or other fossil fuels. Some of them are clean renewable generation, like solar and wind. Each time a consumer uses electricity, that's like water coming out of the bathtub. And each generation source is water filling the bathtub. So as the demand for renewable electricity increases, more of those faucets that are filling the tub become clean and fewer of them become, think of it as brown water. Right. So the tub itself gets cleaner, even though that faucet is not 
going directly to your house. Sure. A great analogy. And I'm curious, you guys, I'm sure, study this a lot. I had a guest on who's doing compressed air energy storage. He's developing a project out in East Texas. He was going, Texas has done pretty good for its share of renewables on the grid. I think they sometimes are about 20%. That's definitely higher than a lot of other states. With present technology, what do you think is the upper limit of the percentage of renewable energy on the grid at any given time? And I'm sure it's gone up over the last 10 years as far as utilities ability to manage it. Yes. So I'm going to quote a number that I don't have in front of me. I know at one point, and this may have only been for a 15 minute interval, I want to say wind energy in Texas supplied. Jay here. Daniel got back with me on January 19th, 2019. Wind power supplied a little over 56% of renewable power in Texas. So that's certainly a time that has occurred when it has worked. I'm happy to talk more about storage in general and actually mentioned or second something that another one of your guests said you had asked him where does storage make the most sense yes is it meter at the customer is it behind the meter at the generation site is it at its own standalone facility and he had a good answer which was currently tax incentives make it advantageous to put the storage behind the meter at a solar farm because you get the tax credit on the storage. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I agree with him. I think that the storage will come in multiple places, but where it can be most effectively used. He had mentioned substations and transfer and distribution stations, which I think is also a viable place for it to end up. Yeah, very flattering that you checked out those other episodes. But yeah, that was a very interesting discussion to me. It almost seemed to me, and we can get into this here, is that it seemed to me that the reason that it was at the solar farms was just based on a legislative tax incentive. I would have to think that you guys would be open to other arrangements that would help proliferate renewables. It always felt restrictive to me that you're only getting the incentive if you put it at a solar farm. Yeah, we've got a couple other things going on there. One of the businesses that I run, sound a lot more important than I have. <laughs> One of the programs that I run is residential solar at home. We put solar panels on your roof and we offer battery storage options to go along with that. That A, allows residential customers to take the tax credit on the storage that they install. And it also gives them capabilities that are not available when they get their energy from the grid. Mm -hmm. Primarily the ability to still have power during a blackout. We use those Gold Zero portable power stations as well as the Tesla Powerwall. You mentioned compressed air storage. There are other ones, pumped hydro storage, which is really beneficial at utility scale, pumping water up behind a dam. Flywheel storage and molten salt storage. Mm -hmm. Most of those are at the scale of power plants, but at a home, the benefit of having storage there is you can more effectively use the electricity that you generate from the panels that are on your roof, and you have access power in an outage that you can recharge. One thing I didn't know when I started this job was that even if you have panels on your roof, if there's a power outage, you'll lose power. That's a safety feature to keep the electricity in balance to make sure that not too much of it is being fed to your appliances. But to keep your lights on during an outage, you can have a battery at home which recharges from your solar panels. As you probably could have guessed and probably have seen the interviews I've done, I'm big into storage, especially when it comes to renewables. When it comes to storage projects, 
this concept of, of wrecks and offsets and the wholesale power market. I would assume you talked about pumped hydro and flywheels and these storage projects that are getting a serious look and come online. If I'm a Green Mountain customer, can you buy wrecks for power that's produced at these storage projects? I want to understand how you can create a market for the storage as well as all the solar farms and wind farms as well. There are, as with everything, rules and regulations around what creates a wreck. Storage itself obviously does not create wrecks since the electricity creation is what creates it. We are limited to facilities that actually create wrecks. So I'm not 100% sure on how storage interacts with that. There's a number of things that companies could do that don't really affect Green Mountain's business. One that I'm thinking of is a solar farm could fill up its batteries during times when power is cheap and then empty them onto the grid when power is expensive. From Green Mountain's point of view and from the customer's point of view, we just make sure that at some point the renewable energy that our customers use was created, was tracked, and isn't being claimed by anybody else. Right. I think what I was trying to get at is, I think that was explained to me that the compressed air energy storage will sell his electricity onto the open market during high demand periods. If Green Mountain is only doing wrecks for renewable energy, that renewable energy that is stored up and now being used from compressed air, for instance, that's not getting a market even though it was charged up with renewable energy. And I don't want to make this too complicated for the listeners or anything. Thing, but And I do understand it's not only renewable energy per se that's feeding storage projects, but storage is good in that case because it would help build a bigger market for the solar plants and all that. Absolutely. I see what you're getting at. My view on it would be if the compressed air is charged up using renewable energy, I would say that renewable energy continues to flow through it. You stored it up with renewable energy, you didn't take the wreck then, so you create the wreck when you release the energy. But I'd have to look into the, the rules <laughs> of how those are created in order to give you a definitive answer. Yeah, no. Maybe wagging the dog there. It's like, look, why don't you take a look into this? Because this is a rising tide that's lifting these boats. Daniel, I'm curious, Arcadia told me the same thing too. Clean energy, renewable energy. What about the other renewable energy that doesn't get as much attention out there? Geothermal, hydroelectric, maybe even tidal energy one day. How is Green Mountain looking at some of those things that aren't just wind and solar? Sure. Before I answer that, I'm going to go and say one more thing about storage. Yeah. The energy storage market itself is tremendous. One of the things that I often hear when I talk to people about electric cars is, what do I do when the battery dies? And my answer to that is, even if that battery only has 50% of its capacity, Green Mountain would love to have it if you give it to us for free. I mean, we find value in it. Uh, we could use it to store energy and send it back to the grid during times when there is expensive power out there. Obviously, lots of different renewable energy options out there. Most of our plans use wind and solar energy. We use a little bit of hydroelectric in some places like New York. The biggest reason is over the last 10 years, the cost of wind energy has fallen 70%. Solar energy has fallen 90%. They are the most cost-effective sources of renewable energy credit. We're open to any source of electricity that generates renewable energy credits. Geothermal specifically has great potential, but is generally most effective in states like California and Nevada. Tidal energy still seems to be in its early stages as well. Certainly as more renewable sources come onto the grid, we could absolutely use those as well. And 
then getting into not renewable, but what some people would consider clean. I'm curious how you feel about one day offering just a nuclear energy option. I think there's a lot of people out there who want something done about climate who know that a single nuclear plant equals a whole lot of wind and solar projects. Have you guys ever thought about a nuclear energy option for folks? Personally, I'm a big fan of nuclear, although I know it has its own issues and is still developing with lots of research. Nuclear power plants don't generate wrecks, at least in Texas. In some areas, they do generate zero emissions credits, but they're not considered renewable energy, even if they are zero emissions. Illinois and New York, for example, do offer zero emissions credits for nuclear energy. So because of our renewable focus and our promise to provide renewable energy, at the moment, we don't offer nuclear-powered electricity plans. But it certainly is, as you mentioned, a great source of zero emission electricity where you can get a lot of power. <laughs> Yeah. If nuclear is probably a no at this point, what about carbon capture plants? Now, I know a lot of people are like, clean coal, we've been through this, but you're calling me from Houston. There's a functioning carbon capture plant in Houston, Petronova, run by NRG, capturing CO2, using it for enhanced oil recovery. And to add to that, I recently hosted a panel here in Charlotte, had representatives from Duke, Georgia Power, Dominion. They were really keen on this idea that I don't think you're going to see much more, if any, new coal plants, but they were really interested in seeing carbon capture on natural gas plants. You guys have to be looking at that too. What about carbon capture projects? These projects don't generate wrecks, even if they are zero emissions, hmm. because they're not renewable. Green Mountain doesn't have any interaction with them. But I actually worked on the Petronova project. Small world. <laughs> I visited it. Petronova is a post-combustion carbon capture facility on a coal plant. It is the largest one in the world. And it is also one that operates profitably. It's self-sustaining in both a technical sense as well as an economic sense. I know you interviewed NetPower, who did a different technology, and that was actually the first I'd heard about that, using pure oxygen to combust natural gas instead of atmospheric air, and thus making the exhaust stream more pure CO2. I think it's a really cool idea and a great project, and I'm excited to see what they're able to do with it. And you could basically bop down the road because it's also in Houston. <laughs> Exactly. Right. It's interesting, Daniel, your founders describe themselves as long-haired tree huggers. <laughs> this is still on the website, I love it. Yeah. Who founded the company 20 years ago, and it seems like green energy and renewable energy is much more mainstream. I called it enviro-capitalism when I was attending St. Edwards in Austin 10 years ago. At what point do you think renewables became less, I guess, granola and more mainstream? I think there's two things that have gone on. People tend to have gotten more conscious of environmental issues and of the impact specifically that their electricity usage has on the environment, both in terms of CO2 and in terms of local air pollution. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, solar technology was around. It was also expensive. As the technology has matured, as research has gone into it, and as it scales up, it's become more economically viable which has driven investment into it, which drives the cost down even more. So in the mid-2000s, utility-scale renewables started getting more attention from the business community. By 2012, wind energy was the largest source of new electric generating capacity, meaning there were more wind projects being built than projects being built that were fueled by any other technology. Green Mountain's customers helped create demand for the construction of more than 80 wind and solar facilities. And as more customers make that choice 
to consume renewable electricity, even less of our future electricity will have to come from fossil fuel resources that pollute the atmosphere. We're thrilled to be a leader in that change. And we're excited that solar is now going through that same rapid growth phase and rapid cost reduction phase that wind energy experienced over the last 10 or 20 years. And 20 years, that was a long time ago. It was all very much in its infancy. Very interesting to see what happens in the next 20 years. Just on the rooftop solar, 10 years ago, you kind of had to be a long-haired tree hugger to find the roof. Yeah. And now we're seeing you can put it up and it's cost competitive with grid power. That is the option where you can put up renewable energy and wire it directly into your house and say, my power is coming from those panels without any of the bookkeeping around wrecks. That's really exciting. All right, Daniel, I'm going to finish with a lightning round of your thoughts on different energy technologies, starting with natural gas. Great bridge technology between coal and large utility scale renewables. Crude oil. Great for air transportation since it's so energy dense, but it's being supplanted by electricity for most ground transportation, at least light duty transportation, cars and light pickup trucks. Nuclear. Excellent potential, but it's not fully mature yet. Waste management hasn't quite been solved. On the business side, it's also a very risky project for multi-billion dollar investments and take many years to get the appropriate permits and to build. Coal, and I'm also gonna throw in with carbon capture. Coal certainly is past its prime. I'm looking forward to it being phased out by a carbon tax. Carbon capture is an exciting technology that's still in development and excited to see where those are able to go and how they're able to develop. Next two probably fans of wind and then solar. Wind has grown tremendously over the last 10 years. It's become more and more viable and more and more cost effective. It's got a lot of potential and it's good at very large scale. Solar, utility scales maybe five to 10 years behind wind since it's less power dense, but it can be installed in more places, especially residences. Biofuels. I'm not 100% sold on biofuels. All of my research has shown that they're not necessarily 100% carbon neutral. And since they're essentially just capturing solar energy, why not put solar panels up instead? <laughs> Hydroelectric. Lots of power and it's low carbon, but redirecting a river can create some havoc both upstream in the flooded areas and downstream. So I think we've seen relatively few new hydroelectric plants being built, but the ones that are there are certainly a great source of low carbon energy. Geothermal. Very cool technology. I don't know a huge amount about it. Energy storage. I think energy storage is a key to the future. Batteries improve 7 or 8% per year. Everyone's still waiting for a massive breakthrough, like a viable supercapacitor or some technology we haven't heard of yet. But even with what we have, lithium-ion batteries, they're getting more and more effective and more and more compelling each year. Electric vehicles. These are my baby. I love them. <laughs> they're real and they're fantastic. The electricity to fuel them is cheaper than gasoline. They're cleaner. They're more convenient and fuel them in your garage. And they're also more reliable than gasoline cars since they have so many fewer moving parts. Energy efficiency. I think this is an often overlooked way to save energy and reduce your carbon footprint. Ranges from unsexy stuff like seal up the holes in your house and make sure it's insulated all the way through an entire energy audit thinking about the way we live as Americans. Maybe using mini-split ACs is worth the mild inconvenience to get double the efficiency out of them. And then finally, fusion power. Seems like it's perpetually 50 years away, and if somebody can make it work, great, but I'm not holding my breath. I'll say the same thing that I did about biofuel. We have a nice fusion generator, it's called the sun. We can get that power into solar panels and legitimately say that your energy is fusion power. All right, Daniel Richmond, Green Mountain Energy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jay.
That was Daniel Richmond, manager of Solar and Strategic Partnerships for Green Mountain Energy, a Houston-based clean energy retail electric provider. Daniel says the company also supports an initiative called the Green Mountain Sun Club, a nonprofit funded by customers and employees to provide grants for green projects around the country. I want to thank Daniel for his time, as well as Hunter Dodson and Diana Maddock at Green Mountain for setting this up. You can find plenty of pictures on energy-cast.com as well as on Instagram at Host Energy. All guests are sent the raw and completed audio the week of release. So far, no complaints. Be sure to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That gets the word out. Music was produced by Sean Stroop at Stroop Loops. That wraps up episode 71. Be sure to join us next week when we speak to a clean energy startup, much like today's guest, who's making markets for clean energy across state lines. Until then, I'm Jay Downhower. We'll see you next time. Thank you.